Chapter 21 of The Life of Philip Melanchthon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rutherford Osborne. The Life of Philip Melanchthon by Carl Friedrich Lederhose. Translated by Gottlob Friedrich Crotel. Progress of Reformation While the Protestants were enjoying a period of rest, because the emperor was busily occupied with the Turks and the pirates of Algiers, the work of the Reformation advanced more and more, and where it could not be done peacefully, the power of the princes was now and then employed. In the beginning of the year 1541, the bishop of nomburg zietz had died, and the chapter elected the well-known Julius von Flug, bishop. When the elector John Friedrich heard of this, he pronounced the election invalid, not only because the citizens in that region had long since been friends of the gospel, but also because the right of protectorship of the bishopric belonged to him. He proceeded upon the almost unbounded right of sovereignty, even over the church, and we cannot expect anything else from him but that he would appoint a decidedly evangelical bishop to this important see. He asked the advice of his theologians who, in their opinion, likewise took for granted that the right of electing the bishop belonged to him. They advised him to elect a Christian man, and at the same time one who was descended from a princely family. The chapter, which was ordered to proceed to another election, refused to do so, so that the elector found himself compelled to interfere by force of arms, notwithstanding the threats of the emperor. On the 1st of November, the Wittenbergers prepared an opinion in regard to the election of the bishop, in which they express a wish that the chapter of Nomburg might be preserved, because encouragement to study was thus given to the nobility, although the chapter itself must be improved and reformed in a Christian manner. If the chapter wished to elect another man, it ought not to be a young fellow, but a man who has an affection for Christian doctrine and proper exercises in the church, and would altogether set a good example. They propose Prince George von Anhalt, who is especially recommended by Melanchthon, who gives him this testimony that he rightly understands the doctrine of the gospel, is pious, and would care for the interests of the church. Against the opinion prevailing in regard to the prince that he merely wished to do things by halves, Melanchthon declared that, on the contrary, the prince wished no patchwork in doctrine and would not listen to any articles in Ratisbon which could be twisted. The licentiate Amsdorf, however, superintendent of Magdeburg, could not be prevailed upon to accept a bishopric. The opinion generally demands a thorough reformation, a pious, reasonable preacher, who would not preach the church empty, abolition of the mass, and good schools. The bishop and the canons should not grant any power to the bishop, and the noblemen who should be elected canons should not merely be hunters and idle persons, but able men. Even if the chapter should retain the right of election, the elector should nevertheless retain his power, 
to see to it that proper persons would be elected and improper ones rejected. But as before remarked, the chapter would not proceed to another election, and another opinion adjudged the right to the elector, under these circumstances, to nominate a proper person for the see to the nobility and the senators of the cities, in order that the churches and country might be supplied. The elector placed great confidence in Amsdorf and succeeded in having him elected bishop. On the 10th of January, he was installed into his office in the presence of Melanchthon, who had been appointed to reform the churches and schools in the see. From this time, this region enjoyed the blessed influences of the gospel. A reformation was also to be brought about in the electorate of Cologne. The present elector and Archbishop Herman, Count of Weed, was a friend of the evangelical doctrine and had for several years been actively engaged in improving church matters. It is true that he was counseled by Groper, with whom we became acquainted at the Diet of Ratisbon, but now he wished to make further advances with the assistance of Melanchthon and Boucher. Boucher had come to Bonn at the close of the year 1542, in order to begin the Reformation. In January 1543, the Archbishop sent Magister Erdmann to Wittenberg to invite Melanchthon to Bonn for the same purpose. The Landgrave Philip also urged him to go thither. He replied to him, that it was to be feared that the chapter of the archbishop would not yield and that the pope would urge them to elect another bishop, that he was willing to venture his body and life for such a pious old prince. But such a work requires men who are able to preach and so to present the truth to the people that they may be encouraged and not deterred by the opposition of the other side. He also excused himself on account of his numerous duties in the university, and thought that even if the elector desired a true change, yet those in power only labored to bring about a reformation, in which the adoration of the saints and daily masses might still find a place. On the 12th of March, Bousser wrote a very pressing letter to induce him to come, as his labors could be completed in ten or twelve days but he did not go. In April, Father Mendman again appeared in Wittenberg in behalf of the aged elector in order to induce him to come. He sent him with a letter to his own elector and lord in which he declared that he had no inclination to go, but also added, I will obey whatever your electoral grace may order in this matter. The elector, because this is a godly and Christian work, at once gave him leave of absence for six or seven weeks. He also allowed him one hundred gold florins and two troopers as an escort. On the 17th of April, he departed, accompanied by Justus Jonas, the son of the rector, and Jerome Schreiber, and reached Bonn, where the archbishop resided, on the 4th of May. He writes to someone that two plans of reformation had been proposed. One, which was simple and pure, prepared by Boucher, the other by Groper, who endeavored to excuse and establish abuses, as we may suppose from the book of Ratisbon. What strange sights met his eyes here! 
he writes to Camerarius, You could not look without tears upon the ruin of the churches here, in which crowds of people still daily run to the images of the saints. This is the main thing of religion in the eyes of the ignorant multitude. He wrote the same to Bugenhagen, and especially referred to the deplorable ignorance of the clergy. And yet Groper, in his own way, wished to hold fast this state of things. The aged archbishop, of whom Melanchthon says that he has the best intentions, confesses that an improvement is necessary, and protests that he wishes a true and thorough reformation, and that he is not afraid of dangers. He therefore placed more confidence in Boucher than in Groper. Although the nobility in the cities expressed themselves favorable to such a reformation, they were opposed by Cologne and the chapter. The Landgrave informed the archbishop that he and the other allies would come to his assistance, should it be necessary. Pistorius assisted Boucher. Melanchthon writes to Luther of both these men, and that their preaching was largely attended, and that they taught pure and correct doctrine. He superintended their labors, and wrote to Crucigere, May 23rd, that the entire work was almost completed, and that he would extricate himself as soon as possible. A short time before this, he also sent a little letter to his son Philip, which we cannot bear to omit here. Although I have public cares enough, I yet also bear the domestic ones about with me. These you should lighten by your diligence and obedience, especially as you know with how much love we have raised and cared for you. I therefore admonish you that you walk in the fear of God and strive, first of all, to please God, the eternal judge and then also good men, and that you will show greater diligence and care in this for my sake. Heartily obey your mother, whom you could already support by your age and virtue. It was already known at Rome what they were doing in Cologne. The Pope, therefore, sent an admonition to that city, of which Melanchthon writes, He buries Christ and promises a change of affairs. But the archbishop did not permit this to terrify him. When the plan or book of the Reformation was finished, it was read to him in the presence of the dean of the cathedral, Count von Stolberg, and other counselors. Six days were spent in reading and discussing it. The Bible, translated by Luther, was lying before them. The elector himself looked for the passages referred to, he approved of the book, and it was also unanimously adopted by the Chamber of Deputies, but the chapter and the clergy of Cologne, led by Groper, were most decidedly opposed to it. And at the same time, the superstitious populace was excited against it, and their opposition was considerably increased by a lampoon written by a Carmelite monk named Billig. Towards the end of July, Melanchthon departed and passed through Frankfurt, where he closed a dispute concerning some customs in the Lord's Supper, and also through Weimar, where the court wished to see him, and arrived in Wittenberg on the 15th of August. It is true he had been absent for a longer time than had been allowed by the elector. So much more did the professors and students rejoice who had gone to meet and escort him into the city. A few days afterwards, he wrote to Dietrich, 
the reformation of the church is, by the grace of God, progressing very finely in the territory of Cologne. And to Mathesius, the reformation is already introduced into several cities, and pious and learned preachers teach faithfully and purely. We will pray God that he would suffer the light of his truth to shine far and wide and also preserve it. Great as his hopes of the prosperous progress of the Reformation the electorate of Cologne were, he was obliged to relinquish them to a considerable degree when he heard that the refractory chapter had accused the aged archbishop before the Pope and the Emperor. Finally, the old man was deposed from his office and the work of Reformation, which had thus been commenced, was extinguished. End of chapter 25